Good morning, Crosspoint. You may have a seat. Great to see everyone. <clears throat> if I sound a little different, it's because I am a little bit under the weather. That's why I'm wearing a mask and staying away from everybody. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm really excited to be able to share God's word with you. But before we do that, let me welcome everybody who's online watching us. Um, and before I forget, as I did last week, <clears throat> for all of you onlineers, we're happy that you join us, certainly, <clears throat> and uh, we're happy to be able to provide the online service live, but we would really, really appreciate being able to know who you are. So unless you sign in or log in, we don't know who the average 30 people that join us online are, and as a pastor, I feel a responsibility to know who our congregation is, and we very much consider you part of our congregation, so I would ask a favor from you which is, would you, would you reach out, if you're a normal online attendee, would you reach out to me at mike at crosspointchristianchurch.com, email me. Um, if you have my personal number, which most of you do, just go ahead and send me a text. I would love to know who you are and maybe a little bit about your circumstances of why you're, you're, you feel you have to watch online live rather than in person. As the elders, and I would love for all of us to be in prayer about this, we're considering whether we should continue the online services live or whether we want to strongly encourage everybody to attend in person. I know there's so many different circumstances, and lest you think this is a really decision to make, easy decision to make, I would, I would, uh, I would care to differ. I think it's, it's somewhat complicated. Uh, our desire is obviously to be a blessing to everyone, to come together and honor God. Uh, we believe that getting together in person is the ideal way to do it, I know there's a lot of circumstances that <clears throat> at, at this time, you know, many of us will prefer to watch online. So I would say if there are um, particular circumstances for which you must watch online, obviously we're glad to be able to uh, provide this for you. Um, and, but at the same time, we would highly encourage you to attend. It's, there's nothing, you can't replace seeing each other, uh, saying hello to one another, getting to know people, it's, it's hard enough, right? I mean, everybody that's here, you don't all know each other. And yet most of you come every Sunday and gather. Well, imagine if we were to just be online, it would be even more difficult. Uh, so let us know who you are. Let us know a little bit about your circumstances. Help us make the best decision for our congregation as to whether we would continue to provide the online live service or whether we would just continue to provide a recorded um, version of it in the future. That will be very helpful, and I would love to know who you are. <clears throat> I have some announcements that I want to share with you, and we'll go fairly quickly here. One is that a week from yesterday, the Mothers slash Women's event will be taking place here at church. I know that CJ will be here at the end of the service outside with the table uh, just promoting the event, reminding everyone, encouraging you women to, to sign up for it. That will be awesome. So take a look at that table, say hi to CJ, and see about signing up for, for that event. The next day, a week from today, in the evening at 6 p.m. here at church, we plan on starting our young adults ministry. So we're really excited about that. Uh, there are some flyers on a table outside uh, pass those out to anyone whom you know that is right around 18 years old to about 30-something. That's what we're saying, 30-something, I don't know. Early 30s. Um, <clears throat> if you're in the 40s like I am, then hey, you don't qualify. But uh, see me 
If you're interested in maybe participating in that ministry and leading that ministry and serving in that ministry, let me know as well. I'm part of that leadership group. On the 17th also, while well, the 17th, we have these wonderful, very nice-looking invitations for our Resurrection Sunday service. That's the 17th of April. We encourage everyone to take a little pack of, I think, 10 and pass them out to people that you know. Encourage them to attend. Maybe offer them a ride. Let them know you'll be here and you would love for them to be here as well. Uh, so we're expecting a big group that day. Uh, and I know there, I, st- I still saw a lot of invitations out there. So take some, pass them out. I've already heard some great... Um, experiences of some of you that have shared with me about how and to whom you've been passing these out, and I think it's a great thing. we got to get into the, it's got to become a normal part of our life to invite people to church and to share what God has done in our life and to share the gospel with people. We have to do that. We can't go weeks at a time without talking to other people about, about God and our faith and what he's doing for us and inviting them to church or a Bible study. All right. And then that day too, we're going to have baptisms baptisms on the 17th. We hope to be able to do them here on stage. Um, We have our people working on that right now. And um, if you have not been baptized, we would highly encourage you to do so. If you've been attending church, if you have questions, see me, see any of the elders. Uh, But if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't publicly declared your commitment and your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would say you need to do that out of obedience and Um, If you're part of our congregation, you're part of God's family, if you know God has done a work in your life, if you know he's doing a work in your life, then he commands us to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Bible, you just won't find disciples that are not baptized. And so I would highly encourage you to do so. Let me know so that we can be best prepared for that day on the 17th for baptisms. The 24th, the week after that, we hope to have baby dedications. We haven't done that in a while, so I'm guessing uh, we'll have uh, several... Uh, families that would want to present their babies to the Lord, and we wanna, we're looking forward to doing that. Very good. I want to share something with you. Uh, let's see if we have some pictures ready for you. I want to share something really special that we mentioned, but we figure if we bring pictures in from our food distribution ministry that happens on Thursdays at 11, some of you have no idea what we're talking about. Some of you have been part of that. And so check this out. This is where we get our food from, Heart of Compassion, the city of Commerce or Montebello, Next slide. Just took a couple of pictures there. They're all about uh, glorifying God through what they do. That in the far end, right in the middle of the picture, that is our, our church van that has been modified. It went from being a 16-passenger van to now all the seats are out, and we just load up that van full of food, and we bring it to church, as the next slide will show. One of the coolest things that has happened in the last couple of years is that um, so my brother Orozco, who is my father-in-law, he, he, he's, he just turned 80, um, what is it, three months ago, and he's working hard. He loads up along with his son, my brother-in-law, Michael, and uh, he, they get to church. If you see in the background there against the wall of the church, you see a bunch of people there waiting, sitting down. We pull out chairs, and they wait while we get the food in. Um, and then once they get their next slide, you're going to see... Those people are there to help us unload the van because then we put them on, t- on top of tables right along the front of our church building. And you'll probably notice, you're thinking like, is it that I can't really see or do I not recognize those people? You recognize John. There's John right there, right? Uh, but like that gentleman with the, with the dolly, he doesn't come to our church. What has happened is now people from the community, and there's probably like eight of them that are regulars 
they help. They pull out the chairs. They pull out the tables. They're, they're very grateful. Uh, there you see them sitting all around. The, on, on, a, uh, on average, we get about 50, 50 families represented there coming in and getting food. So there we are in front of Pit Painter, our building. That's what it kind of looks like. Let's keep going with the slides. And people just walk by. We tell them how many of each item they, they're able to get. That's Elvira from our Spanish service. That's Lori from our English service. Janine and Damaris, they're awesome. And um, yeah, I just keep going with the slides. And every, every time it just seems like we have just enough food for everybody that's there. People are really grateful. We've had a chance. And, and not only that, so they stay till the end. They, they, those two gentlemen on the left, the, uh, along with John, but the two gentlemen on the left, they're from our community. They come every week, and they help us clean up and get everything done. Because, you know, if, if you do a ministry, you get helpers at the beginning, and then at the end, it's like, okay, let's clean up. It's like, hey, where did everybody go? They stay till the end. They sweep up. They, it, to me, it's been just an amazing privilege to be part of that and to see the community come together. We've, there's a little community within our community that has to do with Crosspoint Christian Church food distribution on Thursdays, and we're really grateful for that. So on a given Thursday, we pass out a, a Bible verse. We get a chance to talk to them, introduce myself. We get new people every week. Uh, we usually give them a little slip like that that has a verse in Spanish and English, encourage them to attend our services if they can. And um, we get to pray with them at the beginning before we start passing out the food. And I just wanted to share this to you, share this with you, and uh, really publicly thank some of the people that we just mentioned. But Marsha uh, is is a great help. Demaris, Lori, Janine, John, and um, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. There's several people from our Spanish group that also help. But many of you have also come at one time or another, but these people have stayed and, and they've been part of this ministry for, for months, if not years. I'm really grateful. Our church thanks you, and uh, we look forward to continue to, to provide this for our family. The people in our, in our community, uh, they tell others about it. They ask, about our, they ask for prayer. We get a chance to talk to them and meet them. It's just a true blessing to be part of this. And so that's what we're able to provide on every Thursday when you hear about our food distribution. So I want to just publicly thank everybody that helps and thank the Lord for allowing us to be able to do that. All right, so let's... Uh... <clears throat> let's take communion. And to do that, I want to share with you Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, verse 7. The Apostle Paul speaking to the, the saints, the believers in Ephesus, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and every blessing that we have in him. He says in verse 7, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That is what a Christian is, somebody who has been redeemed through the blood of Christ, who has experienced the forgiveness of sins. When we trust what Jesus did for us at the cross, it boils down to he hung on that cross for us. 
We can certainly complicate things, but, but we don't have to. Through the shedding of his blood, he purchased us. He redeemed us. He bought us back. There was no other way, by the way. We can't get rid of our own sin. We can't make up for it. If we choose to not accept what Jesus has done for us at the cross, then we would be paying for our sin for all of eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. But in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. You know how rich God is in his grace? I don't. (laughs) But in reading scripture, I understand that his grace is sufficient to cover and pay for all of my sins, past, present, and future. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him as my Lord and my Savior, as a payment for my sin at the cross of Calvary. And that is what we are reminded of every time we take communion. So as we peel back the first layer, you take this bread that symbolizes the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that hung on that cross on our behalf. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you have the juice that represents, symbolizes the blood that our Lord Jesus shed on that cross for our sins. Let's take that together. And I believe for the first, for the last time, I'm sorry, we're going to sing at the cross. We'll start with the chorus. We're going to sing a couple of stanzas and the chorus in between. And then after that, you're going to memorize it and know it for the rest of your life. You're going to be singing it when you're on your own. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll have another, a different, uh, a different hymn. I'm not going to turn off my microphone. Go for it. We'll start with the, with the chorus. <clears throat> at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day Was it for crimes that I have done? He crawled upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, 
and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. All right, beloved, let's, uh, let's pray. I didn't pray, did I? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather on this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for everybody who's here. I ask, Father, that you would lead us, guide us, teach us, speak to us. Holy Spirit, we know you're here. Uh, we want to depend on you to open our understanding in our hearts that we will be able to receive your word to know that we are spending this time in such a special way as to commune with you. Uh, I pray for your guidance and your blessing. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, beloved. This morning, we're going to continue with the uh, messages from the gospel according to Luke. We're going to start Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And we're going to talk about, the title of this morning's message is, Depart from Me. Lord, depart from me, Lord. This is something that Peter says. We're going to see that in just a little bit. But I thought it was very interesting that Peter's reaction would be, depart from me, Lord. He's asking for the Lord to get away from him, to create distance between the two of them. And we're going to explore that. Um, I'm not going to develop this in the message, but I wanted to share this. As we read Luke 5, 1 through 11, I'm really hoping that you at home are reading along. You know that, you know, we're going to spend some time in chapter 5, and then after we've done chapter 5, guess what? We're going to go to chapter 6. So you can read at home and be familiarized with some of the stuff that we're reading here. And so when you come in and hear a message, hopefully that will bless you, but it will be something that you're already familiar with. But one thing that I want to share right now in the introduction, because I'm not going to develop in the, in the message, is as, as we read this section all the way to verse 11 in chapter 5 of Luke, you're going to see that the Lord is making all of this happen. This is a story, and I'll share really quick with you. But here the Lord is at the, still at the beginning of his ministry. He's still kind of working his way to calling his disciples to follow him. And he goes to a certain place where Peter, Andrew, John, and James hang out or live or work, and he decides to teach there at the very lake where these disciples, prior to being official disciples, were working at. And he begins to teach, and he chooses that lake, he chooses that region, he chooses Peter's boat, and then he chooses to do a miracle. And, and one thing that I want us to to get out of that is just to see God's sovereignty in all that he does. Later on in the, in the uh, Gospels, the Lord tells his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And that's really important to know, that it is God who chooses us. It is he that chooses to come to seek and to save that which was lost. Lest we think that we did something to earn our salvation or to earn God's favor or, you know, I came to the Lord. We got to be careful with that, I think. So as we read that, something that, that should be very obvious to you, sort of in the background, is just to see how God is the one that initiates all of this and ends up with, as a result, with, this, with these disciples following him. But again, Jesus is the one that initiated and made all of this happen. I think that's, that's super, super interesting. 
So the main point of this morning's message is this. God is glorified when we acknowledge his holiness and our unworthiness. Very important. God is glorified when we acknowledge his holiness and we also acknowledge our unworthiness. It is within you and every one of us to think and to want to make ourselves higher than what we actually are to the point where we would desire. I'm talking about outside of Christ, our flesh, our fallen human nature is one that desires to be like God and ultimately to be able to have the authority to say, you know what, I want to do whatever I want to do. That's inside each and every one of us. And even as Christians, if you're not careful, that's still in there. To want to work independently, to live independently of God's authority, that's in you. That's in me. And ultimately, all of our sinful attitudes and behaviors come out of that desire to want to be independent from God's authority and just do whatever we want. And that's going to be part of that spiritual fight and spiritual battle that we're going to have until this flesh is done away with. So God is glorified when we acknowledge his holiness and our unworthiness. I want to share three points with you. And these three points have to do with kind of filling up this this phrase. A proper reaction to God's revelation is to say. A proper reaction to God's revelation is to say, and then the three points are going to fill up that. All right? So let me, let me read the entire section here. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> it says, So it was, as a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. If you could try to imagine that, right? Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it, fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, I would imagine most of us are familiar with this story. Something interesting, as you, as you read and you compare the gospel narratives, you'll know that as far as Luke is concerned, this is the first time that we're introduced to Peter. 
But if you read John, for example, you're going to see that this is probably the third interaction between Jesus and Peter and Andrew and John. Because in John 1, we see that, that Peter and John were disciples of the, uh, John the Baptist. And then there's another portion where you see the Lord, as, as, as these fishermen are fishing, that the Lord addresses them. And so this is, the, this is at least the third time that, that there's an interaction between them. And the Lord had already told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But this seems to be the time where they, you know, they're committed to a long-term discipleship uh, process with the Lord. I thought that's, that's pretty interesting. He knew who Peter was. He knew which boat was his. And uh, he knew their partners. So there's a lot of stuff there that I would love to get into, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stick to the three points that I want to share with you. And the reason why we want to talk about what is a proper reaction to God's revelation is because I want to encourage you to really consider your relationship with God and how you've interacted with him. And one of the reasons is, um, I'm not going to develop this in the message either, but I want to share it. Uh, one of my criticisms towards the modern Western church is this idea of consumerism, that we go to church to see what we get, right? I'll go to church if I like that type of music, and I'll go to that church if the pastor is funny or if I think he's entertaining or if I think he's whatever, and if they have good coffee, thank God we have very good coffee here at Cross Point Christian Church. Thank you, Lance. But we have to be really careful that we don't go to church or that we don't approach our relationship with God with a consumer-type mentality where it's like, what am I going to get out of it? Even though you get a lot out of a relationship with God. But that can be your motivation. When God says, when the Bible says that no one seeks after God, Often, and then sometimes you'll see people kind of, it looks like they're seeking God. You know, oftentimes, I'm going to trust what the Bible says, that no one seeks God. And when I see somebody that seems to be pursuing God, I'm going to assume that they're not really pursuing God, but probably they're pursuing something that they think God is going to offer them. It may not necessarily be a bad thing. So just warning on this idea of us being Christians and having this consumer mentality. What can I get out of it? Because what happens here is Peter is a fisherman, and he had fished all night, and they caught nothing. All of their efforts and all of their experience and expertise as fishermen yielded zero fish the night before. Then here comes the Lord, who's a carpenter by trade, not a fisherman. He teaches, he uses Peter's boat, and then he says, uh, and, and we're told here by Luke, that when, when the Lord got to that place, the fishermen were washing and mending their nets, meaning they, they worked all night. How would you feel? You worked all night, you caught nothing, and now you're having to still put the nets away, still fix them, even though you caught nothing, and wash them and get them ready for the next day. And then the Lord teaches them, and he says, just as you finish mending and washing the nets, he says, hey, take the boat out and throw your nets down. Ooh, wait a minute. I just worked all night. I just finished putting them away. And now you're asking me to go out and throw them out, throw out the nets. And yet Peter says, he says, <laughs> this is me reading into a little bit, but he says, it's almost like he's saying, ah, you don't quite understand. We just worked all night and we did our best and we caught nothing and we just finished. I would like to go home and take a nap. That's what I would be thinking. 
But he says, but nonetheless, but nonetheless, I will throw out the net at your word. Ooh, beloved, there's, uh, we could spend a lot of time in that. There's going to be times in your life when you feel like, I've already tried. You know, I've gone to church all my life, and nah, it doesn't work. You know? I've been part of this, and no, I've tried to reach out to the people in church, and it just doesn't work. You know, I always get backstabbed, and I end up being hurt. I've tried this. I've tried that, and it's yielded nothing. Beloved, it's those times when we need to hunker down and trust the Lord in what he says. Even when you don't feel like it. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go to church today. That's the day you should come to church. Uh, I have time to serve in that ministry, but mm, every time I serve in a ministry, they just end up abusing me and taking advantage of my time. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Peter says, we've toiled all night, we got zero, but nonetheless, at your word, I will be obedient. And what happens? I, I'm just trying to imagine it would be awesome, right? I don't know what the size of their boat is. I'm sure it wasn't like the Titanic or anything. It's just a small fishing boat. But they throw out their nets, and all of a sudden, their nets are ripping. So many fish. They have to call their partners, John, and they come over, and they fill up both boats to the point where both boats are about to sink full of fish. And immediately, Peter perceives something. And he realizes this is not normal. How does a carpenter come and tell us when to throw our nets and where? And all of a sudden we get a catch that we've never even seen before. That's not normal. And he perceives that he is in the presence of the divine. This Jesus is the Son of God, God in the flesh. And so a proper reaction to God's revelation is that. So what I'm saying is that that was a time when, God, when the Lord Jesus, in a special way towards these fishermen, revealed himself so that they would get a glimpse of his divinity, of his godness. And how does Peter react? I believe this is how we should all react. So point number one in verse eight. A proper reaction to God's revelation is to say, one, depart from me, Lord. I find that very strange. Depart from me, Lord. Wouldn't you think after he fills up his boats with fish that Peter would say, whoa, Lord, I want more of you. I mean, think about this. If we could do this every week, woo, I can tithe and that would not be a problem. Lord, if we could do this once a month. If we do this once a month, then the other 29, 30 days, I could spend it following you. Let's do this more often. Oh, this is very convenient for me. I love it. But that's not his reaction. His reaction is not one of consumerism. His reaction is one to say, he, he falls down at the Lord's feet, knees, and says, depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I love that. He's not alone in, in, in realizing who he's talking to and wanting to distance himself from that. What happened to Adam after he sinned? After he ate of that fruit? What did he and, and Eve do? They hid. They wanted to create distance. 
They know God is holy. They're sinful. Let's hide. Let's get away. I love the prodigal son story. We're going to read that later, several months from now in Luke. But remember when he comes to his senses, there's this repentance. And he says, I'm going to go back to my dad, but no longer as his son. I'm going to create this distance between him and I. If he would accept me as his servant, let's create this distance. And beloved, I would, I would ask us if we've had that type of experience. And I would warn us against this attitude of, I'm still waiting for God to do one more miracle for me. I still want to see if, if God is the real deal before I commit my life to him. I want to see if he really is going to come through with this or do with that. I want to see if the church is going to do this. I want to see if the brothers are going to do that. I want to see if, like, what's keeping you from following him? That's a very legitimate, very honest, very good question. And have you had that experience where God reveals himself to you? And trust me, trust the word. Only God can reveal himself to you. Not everybody that saw that reacted like Peter. I'm sure other people were like, ah, this is great. Let's start selling them now. I mean, I don't know what people were doing, but Peter, it is revealed to Peter. And later on when the Lord says, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the son of God. And, 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 And the Lord says, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, he has revealed this to you. Christians are people whom God has revealed to them who he is. And you know that you have experienced this revelation when you have a similar reaction like Peter. Not How much more can I get from you, Lord? But, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. That is a great, great indication that you have understood who God is. At least a glimpse. You desire this distance from God. In Exodus 20, verses 20, 21, uh, Moses just came down the mountains giving the, the um, Ten Commandments to the people. And then in verse 20 or 21, I got my notes all mixed up right here. Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Sorry, it's verse 20, 20 and 21. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The fear of God is so important. It is what's going to keep you. It's what's going to keep your kids from sinning. For you parents that have teenagers and young kids and you want to control everything they do, who they hang around with and all that stuff, good luck. But what does the Bible say? Do your best to instill in them the fear of God. And that's what's going to keep them from sinning. Verse 21, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. They saw the presence of God in the mountain. They were like, no, we're not going to go over there. Moses, you go, we'll stay over here. In Acts chapter 5, very interesting portion, God kills a couple for lying and being sneaky, Ananias and Sapphira. And then verses 12 and 13, it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. 
people didn't want to go to church. They just saw this couple that was at church be killed by God, and they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. We respect you, Christians of the way, but mm, I'm going to keep my distance from God. And these are obviously non-believers. But for Peter, getting a glimpse of God's glory and divinity caused him to react and say, I'm a sinful person. Get away from me. Depart from me, Lord. And obviously, it's kind of contradictory, right? It's not like he ran away and as he was running away from the Lord, he said, depart from me, Lord. What is it? He threw himself at, Lord's, at the Lord's feet. So it's, it's this, this extraordinary display of humility and brokenness and sense of unworthiness towards God. When we go through the Beatitudes, if you read them in Matthew, where they're a little more um, detailed, but we're going to read some of that here too in Luke, it has a lot to do with that. Contrite spirit, a humble heart, poor in spirit. The opposite of arrogance. The opposite of these, I'll say it, these preachers that I sometimes watch on TV, and they're arrogant, beloved. There's this arrogance about them. Just do that, and God's going to do this, and do this, and do that. I don't, I don't see Peter being arrogant. I see him humbling himself to the max in the presence of the Lord as he has revealed himself to Peter. So a proper reaction to God's revelation is to say, depart from me, Lord. But another one, point two, is for us to react and say, I am a sinful person. To acknowledge our unworthiness, our sinfulness, our humanity, and realizing how distinct that is from God's holiness. As Christians, we are sanctified sinners, beloved. And it's not an easy thing. I would love for us to just understand that coming to church is not enough, hearing the pastor is not enough. Like for you to really want to know God and understand your relationship with God and to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because as Christians, we are sanctified sinners. We're still sinners. And we don't use that as an excuse, but we're going to be sinners until the day we die. And at the same time, we're already redeemed and sanctified. And so now we have this complex situation going on with us. And some of us are not very good at understanding this, and that's why you go around living your life as a Christian with this guilt trip, as if you're still having to pay for your sin instead of trusting in God's goodness through Jesus Christ and what he did for the cross. And at the same time, though we're sinners and outside of Christ, we are nothing. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. We're a holy nation, a priesthood. We're children of God. We are redeemed and sanctified and perfect standing before God. Paul talks about that, that conflict between the spirit and the flesh. Very interesting. But here Peter says, I am a sinful person. First he says, depart from me, Lord, acknowledging God's holiness. Here he says, I am a sinful person, acknowledging his unworthiness towards God. I heard uh, something from John MacArthur a couple weeks ago, and he was addressing this issue of how it is that we are sanctified and yet we still sin in the flesh. And he said, look, as you grow as, as a Christian, you're going to sin less, but you're going to feel worse. Does that make sense to anybody? 
You're going to sin less, yet you're going to feel worse. The closer we get to God, the more offensive our very own sin is to us. The closer we get to God, the less we want to offend him. And so even though we, we grow as Christians in Christ-likeness and we sin less, we're still going to feel worse in many ways when we sin or we see God revealing our sin to us or we do something that we shouldn't or that we know that offends God. I am a sinful person, Peter says. Isaiah 6, 5, Isaiah says something similar. Isaiah 6, it says that he's in the presence of God and then In verse 5 he says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And it's not that Isaiah, you know, cursed like a sailor. It's that he realized, even though he was a, a special individual, and compared to God's holiness and presence, he felt he is undone. Woe is me, for I am of unclean lips. It's 1 Timothy 1.15 where the Apostle Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul, the great apostle, says, Of whom I am chief, I am number one, I am the main sinner. And I'm sure that Paul could put his credentials amongst next to anybody else's, and Paul would probably come on top. And yet, here's this saint devoted to God's work and says, of all the sinners, I am the worst. A proper reaction to God's revelation, as we see in Peter, is to say, depart from me, Lord. Two, I am a sinful person. And three, well, let me, let me share one more verse. Psalm 34, 18. Sorry, there it is. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as I as have a contrite spirit. Humility goes a long way, beloved. So the, the third point in, in Peter's reaction as he is, as God reveals himself, as the Lord reveals his deity to him, and, and Peter gets a glimpse of his deity, he says, I will follow you. That's a proper reaction to God's revelation. It is to say, I will follow you. Verse 11 I also love the fact that the Lord, after he does that, he looks to Peter in verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I'm telling you, Peter, from now on, you will catch men. The Lord's not waiting for Peter to do a prayer, do this or do that. He's telling them, from now on, you're going to catch men. So So verse 11 says, so when they had... When they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. A very proper reaction when we are experiencing a revelation from God about who he is. They leave it all behind. I mean, at first, I'm sure, Peter, when he saw all those fish, two boats about to sink full of fish, he's thinking, cha-ching. I mean, that's what he does for a living. And then I think the Lord opens his understanding and says, like, whoa, yeah, the fish are awesome, but God is awesome. We have to be careful not to be so caught up in the gifts and forget about the gift giver, right? If you're a parent, 
You ever buy your kids something really nice and it's like, here you go. They don't even say thank you. They like start unwrapping it and you start using it. It's like, oh, thanks, no? No thanks? Oh, yeah, thank you, Dad. Kind of like a little afterthought. And they're in love with the toy rather than appreciating the person that provided that. As Christians, we can do the same. Let's be in love and in awe of the gift giver and not just of the gifts that he gives us. I will follow you as an acknowledgement of God's worth. Peter says, I w- yeah, I'm a fisherman. This is the biggest, most amazing catch ever. And it says, he forsook it all. He walked away from the fish. He walked away from his identity, his human identity as a fisherman. He walked away from it all. He forsook it all. And he realized, yeah, that's a lot of money in those two boats full of fish. But God's worth is much greater. And he forsakes it all. And he follows him. All the way till, till Peter's death. Many years later. Acts 9, 6, at the beginning of that verse, <coughs> the Apostle Paul, so he, trembling and astonished, said, once the Lord reveals himself to him, says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul, in the, word, in, in the, in the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus revealed, the risen Lord reveals himself to Paul. First he says, who are you, Lord? Once he says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he says, oh, what do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Luke 18, 22. So when, this is a, the opposite of a proper reaction. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to this young rich ruler, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And you know that that rich young ruler put his head down and walked away because he had a lot of money. He wasn't willing to forsake it all and follow Jesus. He didn't understand whom he was talking to. He didn't realize his unworthiness, God's holiness, and God's worth. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus promises that, that if we make him our priority and we seek him with all of our heart and his righteousness, that he will take care of us. And I suppose the last question that we need to ponder here is, I mentioned it earlier, but God, what is God worth to us? What do we think about his holiness? How do we view ourselves and our sinfulness? And are we willing to forsake all and follow him? What holds you back? And beloved, we're all held back. I hope nobody's thinking like, oh, I'm going 100 miles an hour following, seeking the Lord. We all have certain reservations and certain things that we find it hard to let go. What holds you back? What are you afraid of forsaking? Trust God. Trust God. You're not going to have all your questions answered The Lord didn't give him a whole plan of what the discipleship is going to look like. He just said, look at what I can do. Understand who I am. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I think for us, it's the same scenario. As God reveals himself to us, I pray that our reaction would be that of humility to say, Lord, depart from me as we seek to get closer to him 
that we would acknowledge our sinfulness and unworthiness, and yet, though we were sinners, Christ died for us. He redeemed us, and he puts us in a high place, and he blesses us with all spiritual blessings. And then a proper reaction would be, I will forsake all, and I will follow you. Not perfectly, none of us do, but at least I pray that we would be in the right direction and taking steps and progressing towards where God wants us to be and wants us to go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for your word, for this example of how your son revealed himself to Peter and Peter's wonderful reaction. We sometimes criticize and make fun of Peter, but here we see him reacting in a beautiful, humble way, recognizing our Lord's holiness, his unworthiness, and his willingness to follow the Lord. Father God, I pray that you would give us that same attitude, that you would forgive us for our sins and trespasses, that you would help us to be honest with ourselves and with you and through your word and through your Holy Spirit, that we would analyze our lives and ask ourselves what it is that we're holding back, what it is that we're not willing to forsake in order to follow you the way you want us to follow you. Help us as a church to be about facing the right direction and moving towards where you want us to be. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters. I thank you for everybody who's online. I pray that you would guide us, lead us, dismiss us with your blessing. We pray in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. We are dismissed.